From the Financial Times in London, I'm Andrew England and this is FT News. An alleged chemical attack by the Syrian government on a rebel stronghold close to Damascus, the Syrian capital, has been widely condemned. Russia, which backs the regime of President Bashar al-Assad, said there was no evidence to support the allegations. But the US, Britain and France have threatened a coordinated response. With me on the line to discuss this is Rebecca Collard, a journalist based in Beirut covering Syria, and our US diplomatic correspondent Katrina Manson. Rebecca, can you just tell us exactly what is alleged to have happened? Well, Andrew, after the attack was carried out on Saturday night, we saw these images emerging from Syria. First of all, these kind of makeshift hospitals and panicked rescue workers basically hosing down civilians in theory to remove any chemical agents and shoving inhalers into the mouths of children and trying to clear their airways. And then later we saw these images of rescue workers going into houses and finding what appeared to be bodies of civilians of a family kind of piled on top of each other with white foam coming out of their mouths. Now, according to activists and some medical workers, this was, of course, a chemical attack carried out by the government. But as journalists from Beirut trying to confirm the details, there's not really a lot beyond those images. So it does appear that some sort of an attack was carried out, but the details are very difficult to confirm. And and as you said, the Russians are saying nothing happened. Of course, the Syrian government is denying it. And then we have these comments from the U.S. But it has been surprisingly difficult in this occasion specifically to get firsthand accounts of the attack and what happened after the attacks. Can you tell us a little bit about the area? I think it allegedly targeted an area called Douma, which is part of the eastern Ghouta suburbs. Now, that's an area which has been facing a government offensive for weeks now. But I understand that many of the rebels have evacuated. So what is actually the situation on the ground there? Well, actually, today, rebels are continuing to be evacuated from Douma. Now, Douma was the largest town in this area of eastern Ghouta next to the capital, and there's been an ongoing government ground and air offensive there to try to push the rebels out since February. That offensive has killed an estimated 1,600 people and displaced around 100,000 more. Two rebel groups that were active in that area of eastern Ghouta have made deals with the government over the last few weeks to see the fighters evacuated along with their families and light arms. But there was one group that controlled the town of Duma called Jesh Islam, did not reach a deal with the government for some time. And then we had this attack on Saturday night, and then it seemed that a deal was reached with Jesh Islam, and now those fighters are also leaving today and and likely also tomorrow. Now, once they have left, that will mean that the government of Syrian President Bashar al-Assad will essentially control all of eastern Ghouta. And that, of course, is a symbolic and strategic victory for the government. Strategic because, Andrew, this area of eastern Ghouta was where armed opposition groups could actually lob missiles into the capital. So once these last rebels have left, that will no longer be the case. But it's also symbolically really important in the fact that opposition forces won't control any territory now near the capital. They've essentially been pushed to parts of Idlib province and a few other pockets of territory in Syria. So it's quite a symbolic victory also for the government to clear the last rebels out of this area. If these allegations are proven, it wouldn't be the first time that the Assad regime has been accused of using chemical attacks against opposition fighters. Is that correct? Absolutely not. You know, in September, uh, the United Nations came out with a report alleging dozens of chemical attacks by the Syrian government. And I think that's one of the things that's really interesting. This attack seemed to have garnered more international attention, possibly because of these dramatic images, but also 
possibly because of political factors. And of course, we've seen President Trump's very strong comments about this attack and promising a forceful reaction if it's confirmed. But this is not the first attack using chemical weapons by the Syrian government. I think there's one important distinction to make. Most alleged chemical attacks by the Syrian government use chlorine gas. A few attacks like the one in Han Sheikhoun, which was almost a year ago, allegedly used sarin gas. It's a nerve agent. It's much more dangerous than chlorine gas. And, you know, in this attack on Duma, doctors that I spoke to who had been in touch with medical workers on the ground did say that they weren't sure what had been used in this attack, but they suspected it was a mix of both chlorine gas and also some sort of a nerve agent because of the symptoms. So white foam coming from the mouths of the victims, that would indicate some sort of a nerve agent was used. Whereas when we see images of essentially kind of red faces, uh, we hear reports of blurred vision, that could be chlorine. And sadly, it almost seems at this point that the use of chlorine gas in the Syrian conflict is basically tolerated. So definitely not the first time chemical weapons have been used. And sadly, many worry not the last. Katrina, a year ago after the Khan Sheikhoun attack killed more than 80 people, President Trump said he saw the images, it was an atrocity, and he reacted pretty immediately. He sent 59 cruise missiles to strike a Syrian airbase. What are his options this time? Is he taking his time a little bit more? Well, he's given himself 24 to 48 hours, so not a huge amount of time. And he's certainly speaking with a great deal of conviction. He said last night, we'll be letting you know pretty soon, probably after the fact. So there are a lot of hints that something similar, certainly on the front of military intervention, is being planned. And actually, the president met last night with his top military and defense leaders. It was a pre-scheduled meeting, but Syria clearly dominated. And actually, just this morning, as we're speaking, he has cancelled a trip that he's due to take to Peru and Colombia. And instead, he's sending his vice president. And the White House has just said that the president will remain in the United States to oversee the American response to Syria and to monitor developments around the world. So there is absolutely no doubt that the US is taking its consideration of a response extremely seriously and that some kind of military reaction is on the cards. He's also been speaking to Emmanuel Macron, the French president, and I believe he's speaking to Theresa May, the UK prime minister. Does that suggest that he's trying to take a more multilateral approach this time rather than acting unilaterally? Yes, and I think they are talking about a coordinated response after he spoke to Macron in even what the White House said. They said they agreed to exchange information on the nature of the attacks. Now, that's code for find out exactly what happened. And as we've already heard, it's really very difficult to get access on the ground. And evidence is going to be a key part of claiming, was this a chemical attack and is Assad behind it? But they say and coordinate a strong joint response. As you say, we know he's talking to Theresa May today. And also, if you look at how Nikki Haley, the U.S. ambassador to the U.N., is pursuing it through the United Nations Security Council, she is working very hard, even though Russia has a veto, to work in a coalition of forces. And the Russians are constantly speaking about this being a U.S.-led effort combined with Britain and France to uh, humiliate and threaten Russia. But it's clear that the three are working in quite a tight group. And the UN Security Council held a meeting last night. Did anything come of that? Well, what was 
interesting is the way Nikki Haley approached it this time. Last time, and she made the point that it's unfortunate that there have been so many times, she held up photographs of children who'd been terribly hurt. This time she said there was no point holding up photographs. She described the injuries, but she said there's simply no point me holding up photographs because the people who need to stop this have no shame, no conscience. And she is calling for a thorough investigation and to ensure access on the ground. Now, whether she can get that through the UN Security Council, again, Russia has a veto, isn't clear. But the Russians also expressed their view, and there's quite clearly an impasse at the Security Council. But I think what she did was explain and hold the council to account for failing to take action. And in that respect, the UN Security Council isn't going to be able to deliver any of the things that the U.S. wants to see because the mechanisms simply can't be put in place because of that Russian veto. And so it does, having tried these diplomatic avenues, perhaps the Americans help their argument to claim that there isn't a solely diplomatic solution and it may justify the use of military force. What do you think President Trump's policy towards Syria is? We've seen mixed messages from him. And what are the military options if he does decide to take action in response to this alleged chemical attack? Well, I think that really goes to the heart of it. The US has been an absent player really for years in this Syrian conflict. And Mr. Trump doesn't like military interventions. He's tried very hard to remove US troops from Afghanistan. He's tried very hard to do it, really, actually, in the last month or so in Syria as well. He said that we'll be coming out of Syria very soon. And so for him now to be facing the coordinated military response to these chemical weapons attacks is complicated to fit into what many people say is an absence of a US strategy towards Syria. One option is to respond militarily solely to say, don't use chemical weapons. Now, he's tried that before and it didn't work. So military experts say he simply has to do something more interventionist, something harder, whether it's taking out a base or the entire Air Force, some people are talking about. But the real question is, is a US intervention going to attempt to say, we want this conflict resolved and we want it resolved in a way that suits us? Now, that means really going against Russia and Iran diplomatically and trying to change things on the ground militarily so that Russia and Iran's hands are forced as well as Assad's. That's a much bigger undertaking. And we just don't know if he's going to go down that route, especially given his own concerns about US military interventions abroad. And Rebecca, we've also seen a suspected Israeli airstrike on an air base in Homs in Syria, which killed several Iranians. I think Iran is saying at least seven Iranians were killed. That's separate to the alleged chemical attack, but it goes to show how many actors are involved in the Syrian conflict. We have Iran, we have Hezbollah, you have Russian troops, you have US forces in the northeast. What is the risk of an escalation? How dangerous is Syria becoming as a flashpoint for international confrontation? Well, I think that, Andrew, it's very dangerous, as you're saying, with all these different actors on the ground in Syria. And I think what we've really seen in the last few months, if not the last year, is that a lot of countries that kind of had proxy actors on the ground now seem to have their own boots on the ground. So increasingly, Iranian troops on the ground, obviously the U.S. presence and now Turkey also in the north. So the risk of escalation is really, really high. At the same time, I'm not sure that anybody really wants it. And I think that that's something that we'll see over the next few days, what kind of action Trump and the U.S. is willing to take. You know, I've seen a few analysts and a few people I've talked to talk about 
who's informed. So one of the big things is who's informed before which strikes happen. And there were some reports that, in fact, in this occasion, Israel did not inform the Russians, despite the fact that other reports said that previously Russians had been on the base. And that itself says something about the evolving nature of the Syrian conflict and the real risks, Andrew, associated with any form of escalation by any of these parties in Syria at this point. Certainly a very tense time for Syria and the region. Thank you both very much. To read more about this story, please go to ft.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's Corient.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.